Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Check this out. Illinois has recreational cannabis, right? What if you want to feel real good without getting high? And how about ordering it online and getting it right to your door? Well, there's this company, Mineral. They do whole plant hemp oil formulations. It's like CBD, but it's more than CBD. Mineral grows the hemp in Colorado. They formulate the product in Colorado, and they create these organic all-plant formulations for anxiety, stress, inflammation, post-at-home workout, and get this, the sleep one. It's fantastic. So what makes them unique is they actually blend these plant components together, things that the body has like fats and vitamins that actually increase the absorption and effectiveness. So you actually get to feel the benefit of these formulations, truly. The guy who founded the company, Mills is his name. He's coming on the show next week and you're going to hear his story. He was in Peru. They tried to take out his colon, but he used cannabis oil to recover instead. I know it sounds trippy, but wait till you hear his story. It's mineral. It's a beautiful company, beautiful formulations. I love the balance. I love the sleep. It's mineralhealth.co. That's M-I-N-E-R-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H dot C-O. And if you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, you want to try their formulations, then use code CHICAGO15. That's Chicago spelled out in the number 15. That's C-H-I-C-A-G-O-1-5. You do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's 15%. That's only available for listeners of the podcast. So use that code. Thank you, Mineral, and thank yourselves, too, because you're going to love this stuff. Cannabis without the high. Ben. That's correct. How's it going, everybody? Uh, before we get going, uh, let's go to the live stream chat. Well, we got uh, Pat Rod and Brianna weighing in. Brianna says, R.I.P. John Prine, R.I.P. Bernie's campaign. Yeah, man, John Prine. Mm. I'm with you. I feel it. Oh, shoo. And Bernie. I'll be talking about Bernie a lot, but John Prine, man. Great singer-songwriter uh, from Maywood, suburb just west of Chicago. Pat, Pat Rod says, what up, guys? What up, Pat Rod? And then he says, why do Democrats and their voters love losing so much? Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Pat Rod, man, thank you. Thank you for that. You're, I couldn't have said it better myself. Man. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, April 8th is moments away. But before we do that, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you to those unions for sponsoring this show. And of course... Today's Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, April 8th is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, hit them where it hurts. Hit them where it hurts. <laughs> the, the listeners' ears. Give them a song of the day. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I really like that uh, <laughs> that curl song, Hit Them Where It Hurts, because that's what Dem should do. You know, instead of... 
hitting them where it feels good. Oh, this is how the Dems would do the song. Let me hit you where it doesn't hurt. That's how the Dems would uh, cover the curl song. Anyway, got to give a shout out to the great, the legendary John Prine. He died yesterday, uh, 73 years old. And uh, complications from COVID-19. Uh, one of the greatest singer-songwriters to uh, come out of the Chicago area ever. I think that uh, Dr. D and I will agree on that the one. The greatest songwriter to come out of America. Oh, you know. I'm standing by it. Wow. Okay, that's, I, just, no. But whatever, I'm, I'm just going to pay nothing but respect to the man. Uh, so we'll sing, Sam Stone came home. To his wife and family, and I will not I will not disrespect his honor anymore by singing further. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, April eighth, and live from Ben's house. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the return of president and CEO of Personal Pack. We call him TC, Terry Cosgrove, over the phone. And now your host, president and CEO of nothing. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Bye Bye Bernie Wednesday. And here's why. Yes, indeed. As you all know, Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race. It happened this morning while I was still sleeping, D. Yep. <laughs> I got to start getting up earlier. Yeah, D, a lot but. of things happen while you're still sleeping because you wake up at like 10. Hey, man, guy's got to get his beauty sleep in the middle of this epidemic, all right? Anyway, I was snoring away and woke up to discover the little beeping thing, you know, like beep, 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 beep from the New York Times. Breaking news. Bernie Sanders dropped out. an alert. Yes, that's what they call it, alert. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes words escape me, and I'm trying to grab them. There's that word. Let me get it. Anyway, as always, and I mean this sincerely, Bernie was gracious. Bernie is a very gracious man, despite what the Biden bros may tell you. Uh, he said he could not win. He was realistic. He said he saw no path to victory, uh, particularly in the pandemic age, when people's minds quite understandably are diverted from politics, except, of course, for the minds of junkies like me. It'll take more than a pandemic, D, to divert my mind from politics. And, of course, the Republicans, they never divert their minds from politics. Oh, no. As we saw yesterday in Wisconsin, they are thinking politics 24-7. As Pat Rod just said, why do Democrats enjoy nominating people who are going to lose? Why do Democrats enjoy losing so much? Republicans wake up, they come out of bed ready to fight, gouge, rip your eyeballs out, hit them where it hurts, to quote the curls. Anyway, they were up to uh, all their evil tricks yesterday in Wisconsin. We'll get to that. But anyway, so yes, they're paying uh, attention despite the pandemic. Uh, let me return to Bernie. Uh, he said the most important task ahead of us was defeating Trump. I could not agree with him more. Uh, and he uh, pled for unity. Not that the Dems will give him any credit for the issues he's raised, the race that he has run, the people that he's brought into the fold. Uh, at the moment, let me just read you just one email I got from a uh, Bernie, uh, excuse me, a Biden bro who will remain anonymous. D. I will not uh, reveal the identity of this person. 
Uh, everyone needs to support Biden now that your, that your boy Bernie is out of the race. If you're not fully supporting Biden now, you are helping the deadly criminal enterprise of Donald Trump to get re-election, reelected to kill millions of people. And if you're not supporting Biden, you are an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you need to run that stuff by me. I'm just <laughs> quoting. <laughs> and then, by the way, I left out the part where my uh, <laughs> Biden bro friend ripped. And I mean, I and I cleaned it up because I didn't want to uh, swear, but felt my uh, Biden bro friend felt compelled to drop the F-bomb uh, in regards to Susan Sarandon, Nina Turner and Jeff Weaver. Ah, yes. <laughs> Susan Sarandon. <laughs> What did I say? Sarandon. All right, calm down. <laughs> Wasn't that funny? <laughs> Susan Sarandon, uh, uh, Nina Turner, and Jeff Weaver. What did I call her? Sarandon? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty uh, funny. Yeah, she kind of liked that. Uh, so anyway, so yes, yeah, so my uh, Biden bro friends, you know, they're not ready to uh, make love and peace. They're still fighting the, the, the fight, even though Bernie is saying we need unity. Anyway, what? But I got to give Joe Biden credit. I got to give him. All right, he had a nice statement. I don't know if you saw the statement. With the state of germs right now. Nobody go making love to strangers, please. Uh, and uh, so uh, Biden said, what did he say? He had the following statement. Very gracious, D. He said uh, he was uh, reaching out to Bernie's supporters. He said, quote, you will be heard by me as you say, not me, us. How about that? Joe Biden quoting Bernie Sanders. He's don't feeling. Don't reach out too far, buddy, <laughs> if you know what I mean. He's feeling his inner burn. Uh, and uh, turns out that Joey Biden is a Bernie bro after all. No, I'm not supposed to say Bernie bro D, but whatever. Uh, well, I said a hole earlier. I mean, <laughs> just let uh, it rip, buddy. Uh, so uh, you know, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I hate to be the guy who's not joining the team and not falling in line. I mean, I will vote for Biden. I've said that many times. Okay, uh, I would vote for any Democrat running against Donald Trump. I would have voted for Michael Bloomberg, and he's not even a Democrat uh, running against uh, Donald Trump. But I just have to reiterate what I've been saying all along, that I don't think Biden is the best candidate the Democrats can come up with to lead the party in these tumultuous times. I think that's a pretty obvious statement. In fact, I believe that most Biden supporters would agree with it. You know, it's sort of like I always say about Trump supporters, if you get them alone in a room when they're just no liberals around, no Democrats around. They will all admit that Trump is a buffoon and a clown and a joke. <laughs> I haven't heard. Isn't that the one? With, that wait, I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, no. Th that's the uh, windmill one, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, Republicans! When you're alone, you got to make God. What a buffoon! Anyway, I think Biden supporters are like that. You get them alone in a room, they look around, and he. Bernie guys around here? No. Oh, my God. Biden's terrible. That's what they will privately admit. But then publicly, I love him. You just got to really listen and concentrate on what he has to say because he's really smart, man. Okay, that's what they always tell me. Anyway, hate to be the bearer of the bad news, but he's not the best candidate. It brings back memories, D. Memories like the corner of a mind. Brings back memories uh, pre-pandemic days of the summer. When uh, we were in the midst of the Democratic debates of, what was it, July? Oh, those were glory days. Mm. There were so many candidates to choose from. You couldn't even get them on one stage for one night. They had oh, yeah. to divide the debate into two nights. Remember those we had days? A buffet of candidates. 
we had about 20 candidates. I think one debate have 10, the other debate would have 10. And then my, 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 I gotta love my guests. I would like require them. All right, Samina, you gotta watch these. Do I gotta? Yes, all right. And then comment on it. Samina Mustafa would come on after almost every debate. Uh, Candace Castillo would come on after every debate. Letizia Wallace. We had so many great uh, guests that would come in and analyze, you know, like who did what and how so-and-so did and, uh, you know, ranking them. And some of my friends, of course, Steve, if you recall back in the day, they didn't watch the debate. Remember, there was a few friends. Who goes, oh, what do they sound like? Yeah, yeah, let's hear that. Too many. Too many. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Just, I, I prefer when it when they winnow it down a little bit. How about that interview with Mick Duncan? <laughs> huh? That was pretty good on Monday. Oh, Mick. Just too many candidates. I'm so busy <laughs> listening to my Bob Dylan records. Oh, Mick, you know I love you. Anyway, you got your, your wish, Mick. Now there's one candidate, Joe Biden. Hey, maybe he can debate himself. Hi, I'm Joe Biden. Me. That would be one debate Joe Biden could win. <laughs> Sorry, man. Joe Biden jokes. Anyway, so here we go. Um, back to the glory days of the summer when there were so many candidates running. I used to do my top five. Did this on a regular basis. I would uh, rank the candidates uh, from five to one. That's what I was supposed to do every now yeah. and then. I would mess it up and go from one to I five. I think you did it all the way until the pandemic, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> no, I was down to three. Oh, Remember, I, three. I cut it Sorry. down to three. Well, because three. at some point, there were only like, I don't know, Mick got his wish, and he still wasn't watching the debates. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I would during the glory days of the summer, uh, I would rank them five, and it would be... Um, you know, I think at one point I wrote this down deep from memory, but I think one of my rankings, one of my last rankings, when there were still like 20 people, Jay Inslee was number five. He's the governor. Who? <laughs> I'll tell you what, he's, pretty, he's a heck of a lot better than Joe Biden. Jay, Jay Inslee. Hensley? Inslee, the governor of uh, Washington. He's doing a good job uh, in the midst of this pandemic. He was number five at one point. I really like what he had to say about climate uh, control, you know, uh, climate change uh number four kamala harris remember when i was drinking the kamala kool-aid d oh, yeah. i was really loving that everybody would come in and yeah. rip kamala the all listeners my were jumping on jumping uh, off oh, jumping on jumping off again oh my god yeah and my, my lefty listeners were really bad <laughs> how duh, you can't do that i think maya was ripping kamala for a while and uh, you know it's everybody i kind of like her i like kamala I, I rode the kamala wave for quite a while here comes the brown line d uh kamala harris was number four number three uh, pretty much consistently from, I would say, September on, Andrew Yang. Remember I had the Yang crush? <laughs> I like Andrew Yang. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think I saw him on the Joe Rogan show. Well, I was all excited. Anyway. Uh, and then, of course, two and one really never changed throughout the entire race. Number two, Elizabeth Warren. Number one, Bernie Sanders. And now all five of those uh, are out of the race. I got a text this morning from Joshua Smizer de Leon, a guest on this show. And what good, up, Josh? What up, Josh? And he said, what's your top five now, Ben? How did that guy know I was going to do this, D? He's like, he must be able to see into my brain. Ooh, he can see what's in my brain. Right now, I'm thinking about the bulls. Uh, anyway, Joshua, uh, I still have a top five. And these are the top five Dems I'd rather have at the top of the ticket other than Joe Biden. Because <laughs> face it, Dems, Joe is... Oh, how to put it? He sucks as a candidate. <laughs> but I'm still going to vote for him, okay? 
So you got the top five? I'm going to get to the top five. Just want to point out one more time, Joe's problems as a candidate, his limitations. Number one, he can't talk. Number two, he like disappears at the most least opportune times, like right after the Illinois primary. Remember that one day he just disappeared. And then, you know, the, the thing that really boils me, he, he's got this, like, he actually seems to believe in this wishy-washy, can't we all just get along? Oh, I love you, you love me, kumbaya, let's hold hands, bipartisanship, which hasn't existed pretty much ever. Play the radio, make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night, the, the, the phone, make, make sure, sure the kids hear words. Yeah. <laughs> all right. There's your guy, Dems. That's your guy. Anyway, no, I'm going to vote for him. I'm going to vote. Yeah, I'm going to vote for him. He's always, it's so funny. He's pleading uh, get along, hold hands. And meanwhile, I'm getting emails from his supporters <laughs> ripping Susan Sarandon. Did I get it right, D? Oh, no. That was great. Uh, <laughs> ripping her. <laughs> what did poor Susan Sarandon do? Other than being some pretty good movies. Anyway, he's wishy-washy. Can't we all get along? Bipartisanship that has never existed, will never exist as long as uh, the Republicans are around, as we saw yesterday in Wisconsin. We'll get into that. Anyways, so here are my top five to replace Joe Biden, starting with number five. Hold Hold on. on. Ben's top five besides Biden. (laughs) Number five? Oh, that guy walking through the alley. Hold on, Dave. Oh, a guy in the alley. Hey, you want to run? You. Yeah, no, you. Go into my basket, my waste paper. Yeah, go into the garbage. Yeah, you with the reefer. Yeah, you can run. That guy going through the garbage bin, smoking yeah, a joint. He scared that guy. He just <laughs> ran away. Who's this person yelling at me? <laughs> that guy. That guy. He didn't have to do anything. He just. He'd probably get the same number of votes. You know, I'd vote for that guy, all right? I'd vote for the guy. Remember the guy in the camo and the pink flip flop? That wasn't him? <laughs> it was oh. a different guy. Oh. I'd vote for the guy ransacking my garbage, uh, smoking a joint. He'd be number, he's number five. I'm just kidding, folks. It's just oh, this, this whole month is going to be, <laughs> yes, the month we broadcasted in Ben's attic and the month Ben creeped out all of his neighbors. Wait, hold on one second. Oh, he's he's back. The neighbor's back. Hey, you and the flip flops. Okay, you want to run? Huh? We have a show to do. Oh, sorry, man. Okay, nice flip flops. They go with the camo. Pig flip flops and camo. I've never seen it until I did this show at Ben's house. All right, but sorry. that was number five. Uh, no, no matter. That was just a joke. <laughs> Although I would vote for that guy over Donald Trump. <laughs> okay, with the guy with the pink flip flops. All right, kind of kind of cool in his own way. He's wearing camo. Wait. There's a guy right there, D. Right, you see that guy? He's getting in the car. I'll vote for that guy right there. <laughs> Anybody on the brown line that just went by, I'd vote for him over Donald Trump as well. All right. No, no seriously, folks. All right. Here's my number five. Number five. <laughs> Lori Lightfoot. Mayor Lightfoot. All right. She come at you hard, man. She don't play around. How about the counterpunch on haircut gate? You know what I'm saying? I'm the mayor. If I want to get my hair cut, I'm getting my hair cut. Okay, everybody fall in line, all right? That's what we need with some discipline, D. All right? Some, you need a, a boss. At the, man, I'll tell you what, Chicago, just on a tangent here. The way you guys fell, fell in line with Lori Life at Chicagoans, really, I forgot how much Chicagoans love a boss as a mayor you know what i'm saying they, they just love they, that's their idea of leadership shut up get in line i'm the boss okay that's that's a mayor anyway Lori lightfoot she's a fighter d she you know i've never seen Lori lightfoot back down from a fight ever 
You know what I mean? You say one bad thing about Lori Lightfoot, bam, here comes the counterpunch, right? I think the Dems could use someone like that at the top of ticket. So number five, Lori Lightfoot. This little light of mine. <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. Okay. <laughs> number four. Number four, I'm going to go in a completely different direction. Number four. <laughs> Wait, there's a brown line. Uh, that, uh, I'll vote for that conductor right there, that guy, that conductor. No, number four, uh, after Lori Lightfoot, completely different direction, Michelle Obama. Now, I know what you're thinking, D. You're going, wait a minute, Ben. That's inconsistent. Wait a minute, Ben. That's contradictory. Wait a minute, Ben. You just Are you reading my mind right now? I thought all three of those things at once while looking at the man with the pink flip-flops in the camo. Uh, hold on one second, D. Oh. Hey! He's hey. gonna break his window doing this bit. By hey, the way. you, you homeless his man! Wife's gonna yell at him. Home, yeah, you homeless guy oh, sleeping. No. You can run. Wait, sorry. Cross the line. Did, did homeless guy joke? <laughs> Cross the line. I'd vote for that guy over Trump. Uh, where was it? Oh, Michelle Obama. Couple. I know, now you're. I know what you're thinking, D. You're like Ben. Wait a minute. I'm all confused now. First, you said you wanted someone who's tough, like Lori Lightfoot. I'm going to get my hair cut, no matter what you say. I'll tell you what, it's a great haircut, by the way, D. I just really just want to give a shout out to Lori Lightfoot's barber. Um, oh, wait, Lori, what's the way in? <laughs> Lori does not play around. And I just tell you, Chicagoans, you're showing me something. You know what? You guys really do love a tough mayor. You love it. Everybody's so mad at the reporters. Have you noticed that? Everyone is so mad. Poor reporters, man. I mean, you got to ask her the question. She just had the public service announcement where she said, you know, that she made a joke about people who are getting haircuts. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. Weren't we talking about Michelle Obama? We've moved on from that. We're on to the next one. Well, Lori, because she's tough, definitely would support her uh, for president. Number four, and now this is where you're saying, but Ben, Ben, it's inconsistent. I don't get it. I'm all confused. Because you were saying no more wishy-washy. When they go low, we go high bipartisanship. You know, you're making fun of Joe Biden for believing that. And the person who came up with that line was Michelle Obama. Good point, D. Thank you for raising that up. Oh, very, you're welcome. Very astute observation that do you it, just do made. Do what I can. Do what I can. <laughs> and you're absolutely correct. But my, my feeling is, if you're going to play that game, if you're going to pretend as though we are a United States where Republicans are willing to put aside uh, their tribal instincts and make peace with Democrats when everybody what has a sort of a stake in the game we're all you know facing the pandemic if you're going to believe in that myth then you might as well have the most articulate purveyor of that myth and that would be michelle obama she invented the line she's very popular among democrats uh, i would think that she would definitely unite the party and you know she would have barack obama so you know i know she's the exact opposite of Lori. Lori's a counter puncher michelle's a we can all get along but I would have I would rather have Michelle Obama at the top of the ticket than Joey Biden. So that's number four. Number three. What what's up? No, you're supposed to do that. Number three. Oh. <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> I'll do it. Number three. Uh number three is a shocker, D. Corey Booker. Oh my. Leia was right. You remember? Number three. There we go. <laughs> I see. That's how we do it. Uh this summer we had uh, an editor, Leah, 
And uh, she hey, liked Leah. She liked Corey. Do you still listen to this show? <laughs> did you just abandon, like, screw these guys after she was done with her internship? She, she did a great job. She uh, <laughs> and she was she honestly liked Cory Booker. Remember, we were all teasing her. Oh my God! You know what, Cory Booker? Oh. You know, I like to say, Leah, you were right. I mean, Cory Booker had energy, D. I think he'd be a a, a vigorous vigorous challenge to uh, to Donald Trump, to put it mildly, a lot more vigorous than Joe Biden. So, uh, you know, I just sort of miss his energy. And I, I think I under, my problem with Cory Booker, my problem with uh, so many of the Dems is that I was fighting fights from like the last 10 years. So for instance, charter schools, Cory Booker was a huge supporter of charter schools. And I wasn't thinking like in the moment, you know what I mean? Like the, the challenge that we're facing right now with Donald John Trump, I was still fighting a fight that went on from 10 years ago. So I'm guilty of that. Uh, so yeah, you were right, Leah. I think uh, Cory Booker, we could use uh, some of his energy, his enthusiasm, uh, his idealism, could use him in the race right now. I know many of my lefty uh, listeners are like, oh my God, this terrible Cory I'm just coming up with my list of five that I would rather have uh, than Joe Biden. All right, before we get to number two, let's recap our uh, five <laughs> through three for those who may have just tuned in. All right, well, tied for number five is, hey! Oh, hey, you! Why did I set you up for <laughs> that? Hey, delivery guy! All right, yeah, you with the pizza! Come on! <laughs> no, seriously, that's my pizza. Get him in there. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. Wait, is it pepperoni? I love it. Uh, all right, so number five. What's number five, Lori Lightfoot? You're asking me. You wrote the list, dude. You wrote the list. I forgot. Hey, what did I do? Lori Lightfoot, uh, a great counterpuncher. Uh, number four, Michelle Obama, the complete opposite of Lori Lightfoot. You know, get along with everybody. Uh, can't we all just get along? Uh, number three, Mr. Energy, Cory Booker. Uh, shout out to Leah. Uh, shout out to Leah. Leah, you were right. You were right, Leah. Yep, you were right. All right, moving on. Number, number two. two. Uh, moving on up. Moving on up. Uh, number two, Andrew Cuomo. All right, done a great job as uh, governor of New York in this uh, pandemic. He, <clears throat> AC. I, he's, he's a classic case of a guy that I disagreed with on pretty much every single issue coming into uh, the pandemic. Uh, I would have been on opposite side of education. Oh, he was ready to throw money at Amazon as well. Uh, but uh, he's he's done a great job uh, being the face of New York during this crisis, and uh, just God, that just dealing with the the, the meltdown uh, in New York City. So I think he would be a great choice uh, to run against Donald Trump. All right, and live stream listeners, uh, don't worry, we're gonna read all of your comments on Ben's list after <laughs> we're done. Okay. Uh, plus, he would have like his you know his brother. He's got the it's a two for thing. So you got the Chris Cuomo guy uh, on CNN, you know, and the, the Republicans. Hey, he chipped his two for. You hear about that? Yes, I did. I, I, for, for a while, I didn't get your joke, but yes, uh, Chris Cuomo uh, chipped his tooth, yes. Uh, but uh, So it's really infuriating Republicans. It's not fair that the brother of the governor is on CNN. Oh, stop crying. You own Fox TV. You got half the country watching the, the propaganda wing of, the, of Donald Trump's administration. So stop sobbing, Republicans. Uh, and number one, of course, uh, Dennis's favorite of mine, too. Number J one. J.B. Pritzker, governor of the state of Illinois, done a great job showing a lot of empathy for people uh, who are struggling uh, with um, just being locked up and um, people on the front lines. So, yes, I would say J.B. Pritzker would be my number one choice right now. Just tap Joe Biden on the shoulder. Go. All right, Joey B. Uh, <laughs> 
you can, I don't know, you can go on TV and talk uh, about J.B. Pritzker campaign. So those are my top five. Wait, hold on one more second. Hey! <laughs> yeah, you! Medical supply delivery guy. Yeah, you can run. All right. Last time you're hearing uh, that bit on the bit. Well, maybe I don't know. We'll probably bring that back. I like that bit. <laughs> you like the bit? Hey, yeah. <laughs> I told the I told a lot the of bit. people in his alley. It's the most uh, busy. It's the busiest alley I've ever seen in my life. Hey, you kid in the tricycle. Yeah, you weed smokers <laughs> tricycle. Hope the kid in the, the no, tricycle. No, but the dude with the pink flip flops. Dude, come on. Uh, that guy makes our day. Anyway, that's that's my top five. Uh, and uh, yes, I look forward to hearing um, uh, what a uh, uh, live stream has to say about it. I'm sure uh, they take issue with a few of my uh, yeah. names on that list. Uh, and by the way, I uh, also want, uh, I may throw in TC, uh, our guest today, Terry Cosgrove. You know, uh, put your big pants on, Terry TC. Might throw him on that list too. I think Terry Cosgrove uh, would do a better job than Joe Biden uh, running against Donald John Trump. Anyway. That's my top five. And now before we go any further, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, back home in Alton, they call him the doctor with the news. Oh, we're going to read this list right now. We're not okay. transitioning into anything, pal. Uh -oh. All right. Shout out to the live stream audience. You just heard Ben's top five. Picked a former presidential candidate, but not Elizabeth Warren, like Roe Dolan says. Uh, let's see here. Um, Dragon Slayer. Oh, no, we're going to start from the top here. And uh, see. Okay, first off, Kyle says, B uh, Ben seems like he really wants to write that article about blaming the Chicago and U.S. electorate. And I, for one, really want that article, too. I'm with you 100%, and it is coming. Okay, <laughs> you read my mind. Heck of a job, Dems. Really, heck of a job. One more time. You know, ugh. Democrats like to think of themselves as this, like really sophisticated pundits. They watch, I think they watch too much uh, NPR or listen to too much NPR. I mean, they do. I think Joe Biden is most electable among swing voters in Wisconsin. They don't vote for anything they believe in. They just like have this notion of what's electable in swing voters in Wisconsin. They all think they're like David Axelrod. Yeah, I'm writing that column right now as we speak. Kyle also says, my top five candidates, depression, uh, high, high anxiety, melancholy, uh, existential dread, and crying in terror. Yeah, that about sums it up, man. That's that's a good list. I can't argue with anything on that list. Now, it looks like Dragon Slayer 19 may be your biggest critic here. Oh, yeah, yeah. We haven't heard from Dragon Slayer 19 in a while, by the way. How's D it going? Hope you're doing well. Hope you're hanging in there, buddy. DS. Uh, yeah, DS. Dragon Slayer 19 says, uh, if Dr. D doesn't make the list at this point, he should quit. <laughs> you know, I was thinking that. <laughs> great minds think alike. that is great yeah that's a good point all right you know what i'm i'm bumping uh let's see i'm bumping michelle obama and putting you in d <laughs> oh michael weighed in michael what's happening he says a haircut gate is real by the way oh yeah it is real <laughs> it is real but it's kind of you know the it, i think it's past in terms of like the, do you notice there was no follow-up to that one we, we eddie gate lasted for about a week didn't it d yeah eddie johnson gate you know uh, man, simpler times. Dragon Slayer once again says, uh, hey, man, if you're going to have a ridiculous list, why not Elon Omar since she would actually be good? Well, it, I mean, uh, could she get elected? Would I vote? I, first of all, I would vote for her in a heartbeat over Donald John Trump. Not sure she would get elected. I'm thinking more of electability here, uh, but she probably has as good a chance as the guy who delivered the pizza. Uh, that's for certain. 
All right. And uh, Kyle, Kyle weighed in again. Uh, uh, Leah, if you're listening to this, hold your ears. All right. <laughs> Kyle says, Corey Booker. He didn't even make your list when he was running. My thoughts exactly, Kyle. How's yes. he going to make the list now? But he didn't even make it then when he was running and in your face on television every day. Kyle, you raise a very good point. Cannot really dispute that point. Cannot argue with you on that point. As I recall, I made fun of Leah for putting Corey Booker on the list. So you make a very good point, Which, at which point I must say this to your point. Uh, uh. <laughs> Times have changed. He says, what are you doing? What an insane roller coaster ride. <laughs> Me banging my head against a wall. Then you went on with your list, uh, and it got worse, according to Dragon Slayer 19, because Dragon Slayer 19 goes, Ben, why? <laughs> Wait a minute, time out. What's worse than Cory Booker, Cuomo and Pritzker? I mean, you know, Pritzker's been pretty good. And then uh, Kyle said, uh, plus Cuomo spent years cutting state uh, and or state aid to state health. I think I may need glasses. Uh, state aid to state health in, uh, institutions. Fewer hospitals, fewer beds, fewer resources. No, I listen, uh, now that you put it that way, now I'm really more depressed. I was trying to be upbeat and optimistic. Uh, it was a tough day. You know, I woke up this morning and I read about what went down in Wisconsin yesterday, uh, that Republican insurgency there uh, to uh, do everything they can to guarantee that Donald Trump, that's what it's all about, folks. It's just the preamble to what's going to happen in November, trying to guarantee that Donald Trump gets reelected and uh, wins Wisconsin again. So I watched how successful they were getting the uh, the courts, the Republican judges and all levels of uh, the judiciary to ratify uh, their decision. And, uh, and then Bernie drops out. I was hoping Bernie would stay in the race just to push Biden a little left. So it was rough. So I try to, you know, Come up with some names, good names, but you're right. Uh, who, who, Dragon Slayer. I mean, Cuomo, oh my goodness, as I said, uh, he is, I probably would never uh, support him. Like Cynthia Nixon ran against him in 2018, I would have supported her. But <laughs> Dragon Slayer 19 says, I think it's uh, finally time to have an intervention with Ben and Lists. <laughs> I agree. I'm, I'm right there no, with man. you. Hold on one second. And this bit. An intervention with Ben hey. in this window. Yeah, come on in there. Yeah, you, run. Okay. Who was that? That was Dragon Slayer. Dragon well, Slayer going through the wow. alley. Slaying dragons. Wow, live streaming and in an alley. Yeah, he's... Come on inside. <clears throat> he could do it all. Good times. Yeah, all anyway, right. so that's uh, my list. All right, that's my list. I'm sticking good. with that list. Lightfoot, Obama, Booker, Cuomo, Pritzker. <laughs> What's your top five besides Biden? Uh, if you're listening on the download, feel free to go to the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Or you can send us an email if you'd like, BennyJShow at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show at gmail.com. I've been trying to push that email address. Uh, ben, let's check the email out real quick and see what we got. I was really pushing it uh, hard yesterday. Let me see. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> no one's sending us emails. Send us an email. Yeah, email's kind of like old people do that. Dude. Hey, stop it. Send us an email, guys. We'd love to hear from you. By the way, uh, Producer Dennis's top five, Bernie. Michelle Obama, Bernie, <laughs> J.B. Pritzker, and Bernie. That's correct. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. Let me write yours down. Den so what? who was number five? Bernie. Who was four? Michelle Obama. Who was three? Bernie. Okay. All right. And two? Pritzker. And one? Bernie. All right. Um, 
you might as well ask that guy in the alley because Bernie already just just dropped out. You but... picked Cory Booker. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, Leo was right, all right? <laughs> all right, let's move on here. <laughs> but that was funny. He was never on my top five the whole time. You're no, right. No. Never I... once cracked the top five. Uh, Kamala Harris cracked the top five. Jay Inslee cracked the top five. At one point, Biden was on the... Remember that? Yeah, I like Biden. I was really stretching. It's all right. My challenge to you guys, you only have the candidates running. <laughs> you come up with a top five. It's not as easy as it looks. Moving on. Yes, it's true. Bernie Sanders has dropped out of the presidential race. I wish I could give you better news. More on that in moments. We have audio to play. But first, let's talk about what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. First up, Ben, take a wild guess as to what our Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker is up to today. Oh, he's getting ready for his briefing. Right. right. It's COVID-19 press conference at 2.30. Uh, check it out if you want to get informed. Well, we've said it once and we'll say it so many times uh, throughout this crazy time. Please do not rely on the Ben Jarofsky show for up-to-date, valid information on what to do in the COVID-19 unless we have Dr. Howard Ehrman yes. on the program. And Dr. Crystal Cash. She'll be coming on next week. Uh, She's got a lot of interesting things to say. Other so, than yes. that, it's just two dudes yeah. talking about who they're going to pick besides Biden. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, moving that's on. That's good advice, D. Oh, yeah, do what I can. Um, so that's what's going on uh, with our Illinois governor. Uh, nope. The town of Alton, Illinois, did not make the news two days in a row. So we're going to go to the city of Chicago. And this is going to be very interesting to see if this goes down, Ben. The following comes from Illinois Politico and one Shia Kapos. Zoom. You love Zoom, don't oh, you, Ben? Zoom. What about Zoom? What, what did Zoom do now? Members of the Chicago City Council have been testing out their video conferencing abilities. They held a virtual meeting Tuesday to discuss how they might move forward for official meetings for committees and even the full city wow. council. Can you imagine a Zoom full city council meeting, Ben? Uh, I'll tell you what. I'm looking for David uh, Glowatz, who does our uh, city council updates. Does a great job, by the way. Uh, I can't wait to, to go through that. A Zoom city council meeting meeting with the DG. <laughs> Good Lord, I have trouble with one person, let alone, what, 50? I'd have a headache. I know, it'd be really tough. Uh, 50, wow, 50. The Zoom thing, man, yeah, I could just see, like, uh, the sound quality is not that great oh, at Zoom. Yeah. I know you guys love Zoom. Oh, my God, Zoom, Zoom. But the sound quality, it's always breaking down. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll never get Zoom as a sponsor, will we, Ben? <laughs> I don't think so. It's always breaking down. It's always oh, breaking man. down. Uh, please don't do... And then, and then they always say this thing where they go, have you heard of Zoom? No, I've never heard of it before. Uh, really? You know, the guests... There's... Can you just imagine that, though? 50 people... Hello? 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 <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then in Zoom, like, if you have... So if three people are having a conversation or doing an interview with... If they start talking over each other, it just blocks out all sound. Everything just... Dies, so I don't know why people love Zoom so much, but once again, you? boy, you're not reeling them in as sponsors, are you? Okay, they're trying to figure out how to meet and make sure the public has access and can participate virtually as well. Mm -hmm. The next city council meeting is scheduled for oh, Ben, let's see how big of a dork you are here. When's the next city council meeting? Scheduled? Well, I'm bad with dates. I actually know this because uh, Dave Glowatz and I were talking about this, uh, so I'm bad with dates. Uh, what's a week? Uh, the 15th, I want to say, That's correct? Wow, still got it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still a dork. Yeah. All right. There's some disagreement uh, as how to do this. Uh, mm. Is it enough to meet virtually to approve future official virtual meetings? Some aldermen, including Alderman Ray Lopez, want to adhere to rules stating that they must meet in person to adopt new rules that would allow them to move forward and meet 
virtually. It says here the law department. Well, this is uh, let's see. Oh, we got a quote from Ray Lopez here. It says the law department believes that we can proceed virtually. But if we can get 26 aldermen to walk into the chamber, even if it's just to adopt the rules and get the hell out, <laughs> I would rather be on rock solid footing than just on regular ground. Well, uh, Ray is uh, expressing his inner Republican. That sounds he's heading drifting toward the argument raised by the Republican uh, justices uh, who argued against Wisconsin uh, extending uh, the period when people can uh, vote. Uh, they said there's rule of law, you have to follow the rules, uh, even in, in the moment of a crisis. So uh, Ray is sort of echoing that, that the rules are the rules and the rules must not be broken, even if we're in the middle of a pandemic. I, don't know, I think that's a little harsh myself. Ray Lopez, I appreciate the fact that you're willing to uh, speak up and be a voice of opposition in the city of Chicago. The city of Chicago always needs voices of opposition because people in the city of Chicago have a tendency just falling in line behind powerful mayors, as we discovered with Haircut Gate. So I uh, I respect the fact that you're willing to speak out, but I don't know. I, I'm just trying to picture, could you situate all the aldermen in the Chicago City Council so that they had enough space between them. Uh, and oh, wow. Yeah, just trying to picture it. So you could, would you have, so people, some aldermen would not be sitting at their seats uh, in the, uh, where the, uh, where the councilmen sit. They would be sitting in the, where the audience generally sits. Um, and then maybe if you had them in the, like the press box as well, you know, really spread out. Maybe you could do that. I don't know. But it, it just doesn't seem to be uh, a practical thing to attempt. But um, I don't know. I get, I, you could get 26. So let's see. How would it work? You would have a caucus beforehand and then determine that the rules, there was enough votes to suspend the rules. Uh, so then you would just arrange to have 26 people show up to have the vote. You know what? If you can find 26 people willing to say they want the rules suspended without having... Uh, oh, and don't forget the second part. And get the hell out of there. Yeah, get the hell out of there. Now, I, uh, Ray Lowe, you know, I'm with you in being the voice of opposition. Every uh, all-powerful mayor needs a voice of opposition, but I don't know. I think uh, you're... Yeah, you're... It's just too dangerous. Now, like all these video conferencing calls, there were lighthearted moments. Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa of the 35th Ward, his dog made an appearance. <laughs> and Alderman Andre Vasquez did a quick lesson on how to do Zoom backdrops. Oh, man. What was that? Like, you know, the, what's going on in the background. Yeah, yeah. Things you can put in the background. Yeah. A backdrop. Yeah. The best part, of course, is seeing how everyone's home office looks. Alderman Ed Burke was one of the few who connected from his ward office. Ed Burke's still around, huh? As yeah. Alderman, okay. Lost hey, it. who's that knocking <laughs> on the door in your office? Yeah, uh, he, of course, lost for his commitment race, but he's still the Alderman, yeah. It says here, uh, we got a quote from Warren, another quote from Ray Lopez. It's exciting to be on the cusp of an emerging way to connect government with the people. I feel like we're at the dawn of the digital ages printing press, governmentally speaking. Who said that? Ray Lopez. Wait a minute. Ray Lopez is now, he, first he's for it, and then he's like, he, he's starting to sound like me on Cory Booker. What are you? Uh, he's excited. He's excited by it. He loves Zoom, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I, I think they should just uh, do it virtually. I don't think there's any need to put, bring everybody into the city council. You know, again, it's a mixed message, D. So many mixed messages, right? Yesterday's a giant mixed message in the state of Wisconsin. That's for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, um, 
I say just do it virtually. You guys love Zoom so much, and, you know, it's the, digi the new digital thing, so go with it. All right, and shout-out to Cheryl. She reached out to us here. She sent us an email, an article uh, from Cranes that she wants you to read, Ben. Mm. So uh, Ooh, maybe, articles, maybe go ahead. after the program you can read that article, and who knows, maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. You know what I mean? Or what's the headline? Do you, do you have it in front of you? Uh, she says here, tax incentives favor the haves. Cranes wrote that? Well, that sounds what, like something well, I, I wrote. That's the headline. That's oh. what she just told me here. Yeah. So that, that sounds like an article I definitely want to read. Yeah, it says tax incentives favor the haves. By the way, can I just interrupt you for a moment to give a shout out to uh, young Dan Pogoshelsky, who is one of the political know-it-alls? Uh, he did you see that interview, D, that yeah. he did yesterday? It was uh, a fascinating. I'm trying to call, call it up, and now I can't find it. Uh, he gave an interview with a, a Polish newspaper. Uh, Dan Pogoshelsky comes on the show once a month uh, with Jacob Kaplan, the political know-it-alls, knows absolutely everything about uh, local politics. He did an interview and he talked about uh, how the pandemic is facing is affecting politics in this country uh, and. Uh, it's, we, we should post this um, on uh, our Facebook page. It's an excellent interview. It's some great insights, particularly on the impact on elections and how uh, the pandemic is going to force us to reconsider how we go about doing elections. And I tell you, if, if, if nothing else, if you didn't see, if you saw those lines in Wisconsin yesterday, uh, in Milwaukee, they reduced the number of polling places from 180 to five. And so people were risking their lives essentially to uh, go out and vote if that wasn't an advertisement for uh, over more over the mail uh, through the mail of uh, voting i don't know what is so good it, uh, shout out to young dan that was a great interview with that polish publication we'll put up on our website danny p what's going on and by the way he uh, if you're looking to get married maybe he'll do it online i don't know all right so let's talk more about the big news that happened today Bernard Sanders has dropped out of the presidential race. I have audio here uh, at his house, it looks like, and I had some words to say. So, Ben, feel free to riff on these as we play them. Here we go. I wish I could give you better news, but I think you know the truth. And that is that we are now some 300 delegates behind Vice President Biden, and the path toward victory is virtually impossible. So while we are winning the ideological battle, and while we are winning the support of so many young people and working people throughout the country, I have concluded that this battle for the Democratic nomination will not be successful. And so today, I am announcing the suspension of my campaign. You notice he says suspension of his campaign, so his name will appear on the ballot in whatever primaries are uh, remaining in the hopes that people will still come out to vote for him. If, if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, I urge you to vote for Bernie. That would give Bernie uh, more influence at the Democratic convention whenever it is held, however it is held. Maybe that thing will be a virtual convention as well. So he's suspending the campaign in order uh, to encourage people to vote for him so that, as he puts it, uh, they continue the uh, ideological battle. And uh, I think he's absolutely correct. I, I've had enough uh, people on this show, both Bernie supporters and Biden supporters, Elizabeth Warren supporters, had all, all over from um, many of the different candidates in the race. And it's pretty clear to me that ideologically speaking, uh, Bernie's view is far more popular among Democrats. Democrats have just convinced themselves somehow or other 
that they can't vote for the things that they believe in because the things that they believe in will lose at the uh, ultimately lose at the on election day, even if most people believe in them. Makes no sense at all. Uh, I think it was Pat Rod who said it best. Uh, one of our listeners who waited goes, uh, "Why do Democrats like losing so much? Because sometimes Democrats are just a little too smart for their own good, and they outwit themselves, and they all try to be the cleverest pundits in the world." Uh, and so, but anyway, Bernie's correct. There really is no path forward for victory. Uh, he was he was um, was not winning the uh, the black vote to put it mildly. I think Joe Biden was winning upwards of seventy percent. You cannot win the nomination without the black vote. Uh, and in addition to that, he was not winning over sort of the moderate uh, centrist Democrats. That's putting it mildly. They can't stand him. And uh, so, even though this country needs health care for all, even though this country needs uh, college tuition uh, for uh, for public schools, free pu- college tuition for public schools. Uh, these are the things that Bernie Sanders has been advocating, even though we need these things. We're not going to get them at the moment, uh, or at least we're not going to have a champion of these causes uh, in the race. So that's why I'm urging all Bernie Sanders supporters, you can still vote for your guy. You know, he's not going to win, but maybe that'll push Joe Biden a little to the left. Please know that I do not make this decision lightly. In fact, it has been a very difficult and painful decision. Over the past few weeks, Jane and I, in consultation with top staff and many of our prominent supporters, have made an honest assessment of the prospects for victory. If I believed we had a feasible path to the nomination, I would certainly continue the campaign. But it's just not there. I know that there may be some in our movement who disagree with this decision, who would like us to fight on to the last ballot cast at the Democratic Convention. I understand that position. But as I see the crisis gripping the nation, exacerbated by a president unwilling or unable to provide any kind of credible leadership and the work that needs to be done to protect people in this most desperate hour, I cannot in good conscience continue to mount a campaign that cannot win and which would interfere with the important work required of all of us in this difficult hour. Well put. Man, it makes me miss Bernie even more. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm just going to pause here, D, to think about all the hate uh, that Bernie faced from the Biden bros of the world. Going back to 2016, they never dropped. And I can, I can tell you, I know I have a lot of Biden bro friends and they'd be sending me emails and, you know, texts. And I listened to the guy, completely gracious statement. By the way, he supported Hillary in 2016. Hillary's still walking around moaning about, didn't support him enough, didn't support him early enough. You know, always blaming Bernie for the 2016 election. I'm probably going to blame him, figure out uh, some way to blame him now. Now give us a percentage here. What are the chances Hillary Clinton comes back in the race? Zero. Zero? Yeah. Zero. Come, I mean, no. Okay. I mean, that, like, in other words, what I was, uh, my dream top five were the, the yeah, power. She wasn't in that top no. five. No, she should not be in the, we, the Democratic Party should move away from the Clintons. I think that would be a good idea. That would be my recommendation. Absolutely. Uh, that would be my suggestion, folks. Move away from the Clintons. Did Step it. away from the Clintons. <laughs> Protected just... by Viper. <laughs> No, just, yeah, just, there you go. Just stay away from the Clintons. Uh, You know, you've been there, done that. Didn't really work in 2016. 
and and by the way, Michelle Obama is my Clintonian type figure. It's the notion that somehow if you're nice uh, and you preach, you know, uh, outreach, it'll work. And um, so if you're going to go that path, I would go with Michelle Obama. If that's what you think is going to work as opposed to a, a, a bare knuckle fighter like Cuomo uh, or somebody really rich like J.B. Pritzker, uh, then if you want to go that route, go with Michelle Obama. But no, Paul God D. Hillary Clinton would be a disaster. Today, I congratulate Joe Biden, a very decent man, who I will work with to move our progressive ideas forward. There you go. All right. Now, this is an inter- interesting point. Uh, Joe Biden, a very decent man. D, we heard throughout the campaign from uh, lefties who wanted Bernie Sanders to be harder on Joe Biden. Remember that? They wanted Bernie Sanders to go after Joe Biden. They wanted Bernie Sanders to rip him to shreds. They thought, in fact, within the Bernie Sanders campaign, there was debate, like how hard should Bernie Sanders go uh, on Biden with uh, negative ads, hit ads, and Bernie never went there. Bernie always pulled back. Bernie and Jane Sanders, apparently, I read the articles, same articles most of you have probably read, political junkies. Behind the scenes, it was uh, Bernie and his wife were saying, no, we don't want to go negative, we don't want to go dirty. In retrospect, would it have won the Democratic nomination? I don't think so. But he probably would have gotten more votes, or Joe Biden would have gotten fewer votes because negative works in politics, hate to say it. Uh, but uh, again, Bernie Sanders, a decent man. Not that anybody will recognize that fact, E, from uh, the Biden camp, but uh, he's a decent man. And- yeah, would they return that favor? Yeah, not likely. So, On a practical note, let me also say this. I will stay on the ballot in all remaining states and continue to gather delegates. While Vice President Biden will be the nominee, we must continue working to assemble as many delegates as possible at the Democratic Convention where we will be able to exert significant influence over the party platform and other functions. Then together, standing united, we will go forward to defeat Donald Trump, the most dangerous president in modern American history. And we will fight to elect strong progressives at every level of government from Congress to the school board most dangerous president in American history. I completely agree with you, Bernie Sanders, and uh, the need to elect progressives uh, all the way down to the school board. I agree with you on that point as well. Uh, And uh, yes, stay, uh, keep your name on the ballot. And as I said before, Bernie supporters, you should vote for him. If Bernie represents the direction you think the Democratic Party should go in, not just to win elections, but to what? shape our future in a positive way, then you should vote for what you believe in. And you shouldn't just uh, drop out and vote for the the party leader already. I've always advocated that people should vote in a primary uh, from their heart, what they really believe in. And if Bernie's your guy, you should continue to uh, vote for him because as Bernie points out, if he comes into that convention, whenever it is, wherever it is, virtual or uh, for real, uh, in in August, if he comes in with more delegates and more votes, he will have more influence on the direction of the party. And so maybe it won't, so won't be that easy for Joe Biden just to you know, dismiss health care for all uh, as a losing issue. 
you know, like he did during the debates that we talked about. Uh, dismiss it as unrealistic. Everything Bernie was calling for, uh, not everything, but so many of the things that Bernie was calling for, Republicans signed on to immediately uh, in, the, in the face of this current crisis. Isn't that interesting? Republicans dropped all opposition. And Democrats were so afraid throughout the debates that somehow or other uh, they would lose swing votes and uh, independent voters if they if they promoted what they believed in. That's what they kept saying to Bernie Sanders. Oh, it's pie in the sky. It's a pipe dream, maybe Amy Klobuchar. I don't think Amy Klobuchar ever cracked my top five, D. I love pie. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Pie in a while. Uh, and uh, so, yes, I urge all Bernie Sanders supporters vote for Bernie. Shout out to our good friend Jimbo here. We're going to ask this question to Ben, and then we'll move on here. Uh, Jimbo, what's going on? Thanks for finding the uh, podcast, by the way. He was listening to us, you know. Before, when you get fired. Oh, oh, yeah. All right. He says here, hey, Ben and Dr. D, it's beginning to look just like 2016 Mm. all over again, isn't it? People never learn. It's insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah, I wish I could be, you know, this day, all day long, I've been saying, I wish I could be more optimistic. I wish I could be less gloomy. Uh, But yes, Jimbo, it's beginning to look like a 2016 all over again with uh, Democrats yelling at the 30% of their party that supports Bernie Sanders type initiatives, yelling at them to shut up and fall in line. Uh, and support the party wherever it goes, no matter how far right it uh, it drifts. Yes, it's beginning to look by 2016, but I, I'll put it to you this way. The stakes are really high in this election. And I know the stakes were high in 2016. Uh, people perhaps didn't realize it. We're seeing it now. A total abandonment of even the principle of like collective security through government. Uh, Donald Trump and the Republicans is like an existential threat. When I listen to them, when I uh, when I listen to like the the governor of Florida, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, and his like reluctance to close down beaches and to close down restaurants on the on the shore because he doesn't want what I don't know what to uh, hurt businesses. It doesn't really believe what scientists tell him. Then I realize, you know, as Joe Biden has got to be an improvement over that. I just. Democrats have, Democrats, lefties, lefty Democrats like myself have got to realize that Joe Biden would be in a, an improvement over that. But it's a bitter pill to swallow, uh, Jimbo. I'm with you 100%. It's just a tough pill to swallow um, to, to have to go through this another election cycle, D. Another one. Tough pill to swallow. All right. I lied. Uh, we had another good comment here on the live stream chat. Shout out to Brent. Brent, what's going on, man? Hope you're doing okay. Please take care of yourself. Brent says, and I, you know, what do you say to someone like Brent uh, who says not voting for Biden at all? Well, my first question is, where do you live? Um, so if you live in Illinois, it's less problematic than, let's say, if you live in Wisconsin uh, or if you live in Michigan. And uh, it's really hard for me at the moment. Uh, what, what is today's date? April 8th, in the middle of a pandemic and feeling really disappointed about Bernie dropping out of the race, D, to start immediately uh, reaching out to the Brents of the world. Um, how many months do we have before the election? There'll be so much will happen, so much will change. Maybe that will convince Brent uh, to vote Democrat. So I'm not really going to make a strong... I know TC, Terry Cosgrove... TC! ...will come on and make an attempt. Maybe he'll uh, convince Brent. I doubt it. Uh, but listen, I, I, Brent's not the only person I know who said things like that. A lot 
of Bernie Sanders supporters I talk to and know have told me they're not going to vote for Joe Biden no matter what. And I, I'm like, I listen. I hear what they're saying. It's April, D. You know what I'm saying? So see what they're saying in November and where they live. Uh, that's perhaps more important. We have this crazy electoral college system, as we all know. So if you lose, you can win, as Donald Trump did in 2016. So there's really nothing I could say to Brent right now, because what good would it do? He would still say no, and then we'd, it wouldn't matter anyway, D. November is when uh, it will really matter. All right, and there is an update here on some Chicago City news. Um, but we got a new uh, live stream chatter here. His name is Team Chaos. Okay. What's up, dude? Uh, he's from Detroit. He says, do you think that we will get a real convention for the DOC because of COVID-19? No, I think it's going to be a virtual. That's that's how I'm viewing it right now. Uh, it's going to be a virtual. I was reading an article. Uh, team, is it, uh, What's his name? Team Chaos, did you Team say? Team Chaos. K-A-Y-O-S. Yeah, uh, Chaos. I, um, I was reading a story in the paper today about a proposal that baseball has. Uh, they're gonna. They really want to get some games going. So what they would do is have the players uh, play in stadiums, but there would be no fans, and so the teams would not be sitting in the dugout. The players would be sitting in the stands, like you know, six feet apart, where oh, there's wow. proper yeah, social yeah. distancing. Yeah. Uh, the umpire would not be right behind the catcher. The umpire would be like ten feet behind the catcher. Good luck. I guess you have a telescope. So, there would be so much man spreading happening if that happened. Uh, yes. <laughs> Remember the picture of me on a tr somebody hit <laughs> Ben's man spreading. Remember that oh, one? Oh yeah, yeah. That was funny. Anyway, uh, so I have a feeling that the Democrats uh, and Republicans will probably have to have virtual conventions. Um, I don't see this ending uh, anytime soon. All right, now to the Chicago City update. Oh boy, liquor lovers, get ready. Get ready, get ripped. Yeah, the following comes from the Chicago Sun Times and the Sun Times staff. Mm -hmm. They all work together on this one. Mm -hmm. uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot today uh, imposed a 9 p.m. curfew for all liquor sales in Chicago to prevent people from congregating outside those stores, which could lead to community spread of the coronavirus. At a Wednesday news conference, Lightfoot said that the city is, quote, not messing around with this and has empowered police and city inspectors to issue fines and shutdown orders. She thanked liquor store owners for their quote unqualified support for this measure, but added that quote far too many have been congregating at stores that sell liquor. The mayor already had hinted at a possible curfew earlier this week after outlining a sweeping plan to bridge a racial divide tied to the pandemic that mirrors the life expectancy gap between black and white Chicagoans. 72% of city residents who have died from the virus are African-American. At the time, the mayor promised increased surveillance of groceries and convenience stores to enforce the social distancing requirement that patrons remain at least six feet apart. So liquor stores may be uh, shutting down after nine. Mm -hmm. You know, that's good. I mean, anything we can to uh, uh, reduce, you know, to uh, flatten the curve, as they say. I, I would just like to point out uh, that when this moment passes, we should think about all the inequities that exist in our city that have resulted uh, in this disparity in the death rate, the number of black people dying uh, from this virus as opposed to the number of white people. And I would submit that uh, liquor store hours are not at the top of the list, uh, that we should seriously consider about public health initiatives the line, the, among the lines along the lines that Dr. Howard Ehrman has discussed in this show. Crystal Cash will be coming. Dr. Crystal Cash will be coming on the show next week to talk about it as well. So it's, it's just, you know, to... I'm with her. I'm with Lori Lightfoot on this one. I just hope that we draw the right lessons post 
pandemic, when you think about how we spend our dollars and what kind of initiatives we come up with. Maybe, I'm just throwing this out there, uh, leaders of the city of Chicago, spend less of our money on upscale, gentrifying neighborhoods like Lincoln Yard, just throwing that out there, and more money on, I don't know, public uh, nurses, clinics, medical outreach, just all the things that Dr. Ehrman's talking about, all the things we've cut back on, mental health clinics, all the things we've cut back on over the last 30 years. And so instead of like the lessons being closed liquor stores at 9 a.m., 9 p.m., uh, which is important to do, I'm glad we're doing it in the, in the middle of the pandemic, but post-pandemic, I hope we listen to the Howard Ehrmans of the world and the Crystal Cashes of the world as to what uh, we should do as a city. All right, we're going to keep everybody posted on that and other stories as today's program rolls along. And we're going to roll along to our next guest here, Terry Cosgrove of Personal Pack. Let's call him up and see if he answers the phone. What do you say, Ben? We're going to get Terry, and then we're going to take a break. Terry. Glendale Pharmacy, we make it our habit to fill your habit. <laughs> hey, Terry. <laughs> Terry Cosgrove, you're live. <laughs> no, don't say that. Yeah, I'm about that. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back, everybody. Terry, hang tight. <laughs> Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Check this out. Illinois has recreational cannabis, right? What if you want to feel real good without getting high? And how about ordering it online and getting it right to your door? Well, there's this company, Mineral. They do whole plant hemp oil formulations. It's like CBD, but it's more than CBD. Mineral grows the hemp in Colorado. They formulate the product in Colorado, and they create these organic all-plant formulations for anxiety, stress, inflammation, post-at-home workout, and get this, the sleep one. It's fantastic. So what makes them unique is they actually blend these plant components together. Things that the body has like fats and vitamins that actually increase the absorption and effectiveness. So you actually get to feel the benefit of these formulations. Truly. The guy who founded the company, Mills is his name. He's coming on the show next week and you're going to hear his story. He was in Peru. They tried to take out his colon, but he used cannabis oil to recover instead. I know it sounds trippy, but wait till you hear his story. It's Mineral. It's a beautiful company, beautiful formulations. I love the balance. I love the sleep. It's MineralHealth.co. That's M-I-N-E-R-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H dot C-O. And if you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, you want to try their formulations, then use code CHICAGO15. That's Chicago spelled out the number 15. That's C-H-I-C-A-G-O-1-5. You do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's 15%. That's only available for listeners of the podcast. So use that code. Thank you, Mineral, and thank yourselves, too, because you're going to love this stuff. Cannabis without the high. Ben. That's correct. Ben, stop yelling at people in the alley. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's house. Live from my house, overlooking the alley, overlooking the brown line. With us, Terry Cosgrove, the legendary TC, president of Personal <laughs> Pack. You there, Terry? I am here, Ben, except I missed 
uh, seeing you and Dennis in person. This isn't the same. I don't get to see you shake your head and Dennis his eyes open wide when I say something outrageous. So, uh, <laughs> look, I can hear him now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, say something outrageous. So how are you guys doing? Well, how are you? We're, we're hanging in there, uh, Terry, and uh, we've been now doing the show from my attic overlooking the alley and the brown line uh, since the 18th of March, the day after. We went out on Tuesday, the 17th, to the Sun Times, the old studio, but we were still doing interviews by phone. And then after that, Dennis and I looked at each other and said, what's the point? Uh, and uh, so we've been operating um, out of my attic ever since and slowly getting used to it, T, slowly getting used to it. As you, you're, right. where are you operating out of your your apartment? Or yeah, your, your I'm in, yeah, I rest, I did, I kind of did the same thing. You know, I was around a lot of people on election day and, uh, um, and then on that Wednesday, I went into the office kind of sent out the cleanup emails, collected mail and newspapers and, and walked out the door. And I, um, I've only been back once since, and I'm actually going tomorrow for about an hour. I'm the only one, you know, allowed in and it's just to, to collect the mail and, and, you know, do, and I clean every, every, um, door knob and sanitize everything. So I'm being safe and, you know, just, and no one's around. I mean, that's the other thing. It's stuck. You don't have to social distance much in the loop. There's no one there, yeah. you know, so, which is good. You know, people yes. shouldn't be. And I, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I want to give a shout out when I say that, because I think that, you know, you, Dennis and I are part of the lucky people that can't stay at home. And, um, I really feel for the, you know, every, all the frontline workers that are keeping everything running while we're at home. And I do think each of them should get this $25,000, um, or pay that's being talked about. I mean, the grocers, the CTA drivers, the, obviously the, all the medical frontline people, but, you know, all the people that are basically maligned uh, all the rest of the time and treated like second-class citizens are our heroes, and they should be compensated for that. I'm with you 100% on one, Terry. I see eye to eye with on that one. And uh, I saw a picture the other day uh, on social media that was really disturbing of a bus packed with workers, people going to work. They have no other way of getting right. to work. Yeah. And uh, it just really hurt. We wonder why. And almost everybody in this particular bus was black. Uh, so I don't right. Oh, I, no. And those statistics were stunning. They yeah. came out. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's part of the reason. Now, uh, Terry Cosgrove's been coming on the show forever. Ever, ever, ever since I had a show, he's been on. He has a very practical, pragmatic view of politics, how the game plays. He's the president of Personal Pack, which is the perhaps the largest. It, well, it's definitely in the state of Illinois, the largest uh, pro-choice uh, pack in the state of Illinois. So Terry is a student of how state politics works. And I'm just going to read something uh, from Terry's website or that accompanies every uh, email that you send. I went back and then found this old email that you sent to me, uh, T, and this is a great quote. It gets, quote, 60, 30, and 1. Otherwise, it's all just rhetoric. End of quote. And you're quoting the great Rich Miller, who is a columnist, uh, and he's referring to the only thing that matters in Springfield. 60 votes in the House, 30 votes in the Senate, and one governor. Uh, And so that kind of sums up I think you're very pragmatic view toward politics. Am I correct? That's my motto, because otherwise it is all just rhetoric. And that's how when I saw Rich write that, I thought I put it on my my tagline, on my email signature, because really it is, you know, we can sit and talk about, you know, everything, everything we want to do, everything we aspire to. But 
you know, the reality is, is that you have to have the people in place who are going to do it. Otherwise, it's all just rhetoric. So it really, you know, politics is the starting point. It's not the ending point, you know. To, and, and you know, I want to take this opportunity because, Ben, you mentioned it earlier, but um, I think the greatest history lesson in Petri dish right in front of us right now is the state of Wisconsin. I mean, for probably most of the people listening weren't even born with what I'm about to reference here, but my grandparents lived in Wisconsin, and I remember growing up, and also I was in my 20s, so I remember this clearly, but in 1977, Wisconsin was the very first state in the country, and I think for 20 years, it passed the statewide um, non-discrimination gay rights bill. It was called Gay Rights back in the 70s. Um, the city of Milwaukee was the first city in the country to integrate its housing and schools after the Civil Rights Act. And a Catholic priest by the name of Father Grappi led that, uh, led that push for integration. Wisconsin was one of the most progressive states in the country. There was the Farm Labor Coalition. It, it, it treated workers well. It was, it was really, farmers were treated well. It was really a stunning example of a progressive state. And what happened in the state of Wisconsin, where we ended up yesterday, is that um, people stopped paying attention to elections and what mattered. And, um, you know, it was a bunch of different factors that led to it, but people were, you know, arguing over, you know, splitting the, the Democratic alarm um, farm labor vote, and people took their eye off the ball on elections and politics, and look where we are today, where yesterday thousands and thousands of Wisconsin voters had to choose between sacrificing their health and lives or casting the franchise to vote, and that is because the Wisconsin state government apparatus, including their Supreme Court, has been taken over entirely by right-wing Republicans. And I think this should serve as the canary in the coal mine for all of us in Illinois that, you know, I'm tired of people saying, oh, that could never happen in Illinois, or Roe v. Wade is the law of the land, or we're safe here. No, we're not. We're one election away from being like Wisconsin, being like Ohio, being like Indiana. I mean, I could go on and bore all of your listeners with all the right-wing states around us, but so I really hope that people pay attention. We have a lot of work to do in Illinois. And again, the reason why things are the way they are in Wisconsin, as I say, 60, 30, and 1. Now, I don't know the makeup of their, of their General Assembly, but they had Scott Walker as governor, and Republicans took over their General Assembly. And look what happened, folks. Yeah. And this is the new Republican Party, and I want to, you know, I want to underscore that personal pack is bipartisan, but the reality is... The Republican Party is not the Republican Party of the 90s. It's the Republican Party of Donald Trump now. The racist, bigoted, misogynist, anti-LGBTQ party is the Republican Party right now. Anti-worker, too, of course. And um, Well, so, that, that, so la that last point is a very important point, uh, the anti-worker aspect. Uh, if I dissect what has gone down in Wisconsin, I always go back to... Scott Walker winning in 2010, and that's when Democrats, uh, you're absolutely correct, throughout the country, Terry, took their eye off the ball. Republicans right. took back the, the House. It was a decisive midterm election, and, and Democrats just, 
they were like they were missing in action and scott walker led an assault on public works unions and when he did that he knocked out one of the greatest allies the democratic party has and what the republicans did quite brilliantly and effectively in wisconsin was disguise which they cloaked their strategic partisan moves in this highfalutin language of liberty, like workers should have the liberty uh, not to join a union. They used this highfalutin uh, language that was supported by their cadre of lawyers and judges uh, backed up, uh, who were backing up some of the decisions that Walker was implementing. They cut off at the knees, public work, uh, public works, public employees union. Guess what? A state, as you said it, that was once progressive, that was once liberal Democrat, if you will, suddenly becomes Donald Trump territory. It is no coincidence that that move by Walker to uh, cut off the unions in 2011 led to Donald Trump's victory in Wisconsin in 2016 and ultimately led, I believe, to that disaster that went down uh, yesterday in Wisconsin. That was incredible. It was really amazing. You know, I... I, it's very few times that I'm shocked, you know, it's like people are talking about being shocked that the anti-choicers are using the pandemic to stop, uh, to stop all abortion care in states, but yet they're out picketing uh, in front of uh, doctor's offices that are providing abortion care. And there, there's just nothing that they'll stop at. And I, and I don't think our side appreciates that, that they're, that they don't take a vacation, they don't take a break, they're constantly on the offensive. And it's a fool's errand for not for us not to recognize that. Now, before we get into the specifics of how uh, the Republican Party, the right, the Donald Trumpers of the of the country are using the pandemic uh, to take away uh, abortion rights, what's your general thoughts on how Democrats should should proceed in this coming election? Uh, in 2016, of course, Michelle Obama gave that statement that I probably she, she probably wishes she, she regrets saying, uh, "When they uh, go low, we go high." And I, right. as much as I like Michelle Obama on many different levels, T, I've always felt that that sentiment is unrealistic in today's politics. That if it's a fantasy, yeah, it, you know, and it's it is, and I appreciate Michelle Obama too, but I I cringed when she said it, and of course everyone was praising her, and it's hard to, you know, to do it. But you know, here, you know, Ben, how many times have I said on on your show, if you expect me, you know, what this goes back to Citizens United, it goes back to, you know, this uh, this stupid idea of fair maps, which all it is, and I know there's some very well intentioned people on this subject and probably some of them are listening to this call but the reality is we do not want to give right-wing republicans one iota of input into how the congressional maps of illinois are drawn which if you want to lose lauren underwood and sean caston and you don't want betsy Londergan elected then allow republicans to help draw the map you, you can accomplish that or the 177 legislative districts in illinois the 118 house districts 59 Senate says, give these right-wing Republicans, you know, a, a, give them the pen to draw the map. They'll make sure that, that they get, you know, they get a say and that we overturn all of our pro-choice bills in Illinois. But so, I, you know, Ben, like I said, if you want to, if you expect us, me, to win an election and go into the battle with an, a leg in a cast and an arm tied behind the back and a toothpick into a knife fight, I can tell you right now, we're not. We're not going to win. Yeah. We're not going to win. And, you know, so my advice is, is that we 
that Democrats, progressives, people who care about the future of the human race, and I don't mean to be overly dramatic about it, but we're, we're now witnessing the greatest criminal organization and and disregard for life that we've ever seen in the Trump administration. And people who don't support that are going to need to crawl over broken glass to vote. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it's going to come down to. We, that, you know, we can't, for this Supreme Court does not allow us to, to change the rules. We have to fight like hell in state after state, particularly the swing states of Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, oh, um, Wisconsin. Florida, Arizona, to make sure that there's mail-in voting and that at, that everyone, it needs to be all hands on deck, yeah. that everyone in those states and those of us who live in states like Illinois where, you know, where we already have mail-in voting and all that, you know, we, but we have to make sure in those states that, that as many people as possible um, can come out and vote against. Donald Trump and then all the right wingers in their state assemblies and for Congress and everything else. Yeah. And, and that's all that, that's what we have. That is our task. And listen, anyone now after Bernie Sanders dropping out that doesn't support Joe Biden, if you're if you if you're not supporting Joe Biden, you are helping Donald Trump get elected. That's all there is to it. There's no debate. There's no there's no in between. There's no gray. There's no gray area. It's now clear that that is job number one. And then at the state level, because all of these general assemblies that are elected in 2020, they are going to draw the maps in each of the 50 states for the congressional districts and all the state assemblies, which is how all of this, this problem started at the beginning, because in 2010, what happened is that, that all of those right-wing general assemblies that were elected, particularly in Wisconsin, since we're talking about it, went back in 2011 and drew all these new congressional maps mm-hmm. and drew all these state assembly maps that allowed them to trample on our rights for the last 20 years. And uh, let me just talk about how tactical yesterday's election was for Wisconsin. Just sum it up so people understand. Republicans, how tactical they are. So there was a primary scheduled for yesterday in the state of Wisconsin. There's a pandemic. The Democratic governor of Wisconsin issued an executive order extending uh, the time, uh, postponing the election, extending the time that people can vote by absentee so that they don't uh, threaten their life by going out to the polls on election day. He makes that extension. Uh, The Republican legislators uh, took him to court to block it, to say he didn't have the right. Why did they go to court? Supreme Court. State Supreme Supreme Court. Court. Yeah, why? why, Yeah, let's be clear. They went to the state Supreme Court, but it made it to the feds eventually, but Mm -hmm. they started with the state. No, two hours later. Two hours later. To the U.S. Supreme Court, yeah. So why did they do it? This is how tactical they are. Because in addition to being a primary day, there was an election, uh, a special election for the state Supreme Court Justice, a gentleman named Daniel Kelly, who is to the right of Reagan, way far outright, uh, was running against uh, Jill Karofsky, who is basically a Democrat, a liberal Democrat. And Kelly supports an initiative that would gut 200,000 or so people from the voting rolls uh, in the state of Wisconsin. Very restrictive voting uh, oversight. It's so interesting when it comes to voting rolls, D, uh, Terry, the, uh, the Republicans of 
They love regulations when it comes to protecting environment. No regulations. It's interesting the distinction they make. Uh, anyway, uh, so in order to guarantee that Kelly win, they did everything they could to lower the turnout uh, in that election, even if it meant exposing people to um, life-threatening disease. The state Supreme Court sanctioned it, and then it went to the National Supreme Court, and they, those five Republicans uh, in the Supreme Court, Terry, fell in line, like they always do, uh, and they voted to sanction Uh, They voted to support the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court, uh, thus forcing Wisconsin voters to stand in long lines yesterday, uh, exposing themselves to the virus. Uh, And pretty much they're trying to make sure that Daniel Kelly was victorious. The results have not been counted. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's if you limit the number of Democrats uh, who vote, Terry, it's awfully hard for Republicans uh, to lose an election. So that's what that was all about. You know, Trump said, you know, last week he said, if we have mail-in voting, a Republican will never win another election. I mean, he said it. Yeah. He, that, you know, that is their goal. They and you know, and for people to not to not, you know, who, I forget who it was. Um, who? Oh, I'm thinking of um, the great author that just passed away. That that that, that when people tell you who they are, believe them. Um, no, who was that? Well, it doesn't matter. We're yeah. on the radio, yeah. but. Um, but <laughs> I feel like I'm having a personal conversation with you, Ben, like we usually do. We usually do, yeah. Around. Yeah. We're on the radio. So, um, but they said it, that they're saying, so for people not to believe them when they say this. Was it Maya uh, Angelou? Yes. Thank you very much. Thank That's you. Correct. I'm embarrassed. That very... I couldn't recall the name. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, no, she said it. Yeah. She said, when people tell you who they are, um, believe them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that's what they're about. They're about, and, you know, they're about seizing power in the most undemocratic, unconstitutional way imaginable. And it's and for people to think that it's not going to stop, and they're not going to do the same thing in November. I mean, that's really what we have to be clear about. So our job is to empower as many um, anti-Trump voters. To make sure that they are registered to vote and they can go out and vote, and we have to just, de- you know, we can't sit around and stomp our feet and say, "Oh, the the rules are horrible," and go home because we do that. That is a pres- they win then. That is the prescription, and so we have to. Um, Cory Booker was on TV last night. He said all of this, these long lines and everything that was going on in Milwaukee. I mean, there were supposed to be 108 polling places in Milwaukee yesterday. They had. Five yep. open, five or eight, I forget which. Five, which caused, 180 to five, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which caused these incredibly long lines. I mean, as I was watching it, I was both angry and inspired that these people would come out and wait in for hours in line to vote. I was like, this is amazing. I mean, it was disgusting and amazing at the same time that people had to do that in uh, the United States, where we're supposed to be this democracy and and have a constitution, it's discuss- but that's what we're up against. And I think that the I think the only way we can respond, the only responsible way, is is to you know, as Mother Jones said, don't mourn, organize. I mean, that's what we have to do. We have to organize, and we have to be prepared. We know the rules now. We know what we're up against and we have to fight back because the only way we can change it is to replace these people back to the 60, 30 and one is replace these people so that 
our side can make the rules, and our rules are say that everyone who's eligible to vote should be able to cast a vote, and it should be we should make it as easy as possible for people to exercise the franchise for the vote. Bang, done. All right, let's. And we know what we. Yeah. Let's get a little more. We spe- know what we stand for. Yeah. yeah. Let's get a little more specific and talk about uh, some of the issues of facing choice uh, in the in this current cri- uh, political Please. climate. Uh, so take us through some of this, what's been going on in some of the states, Terry. You and I have had private yeah. conversations about this over the phone. Let's share it with our listeners. Uh, what are the Republicans well, in many, doing? Go ahead. Yeah, in many states, the, uh, the, uh, the governors have issued executive orders saying that abortion is a non-essential uh, service in, uh, in, um, in Texas and Ohio and many other states. Although, um, although getting a gun license is not is, is an essential service, I just had to throw that in there. Um, but um, so, um, and what happened is they issued these orders under the guise of um, it's a not it's a non-essential service. Which, if you're a pregnant woman, it's pretty essential because the clock is ticking. It's not like waiting to you know to get uh, you know to have something else done that is uh, that's non that's not essential. Um, so, uh, but the guys was because they needed the, the, the PPP, the personal uh, protection equipment in order that because there was such a shortage. However, over half the abortions that are being done now are being done medically, which means women are taking the abortion pill. It requires no N95 mask. It, it requires no surgical gown. It's a pill that you get filled at a pharmacy. And so there, it was complete hypocrisy, which shouldn't surprise anyone. And then the um, they were taken to court by the ACLU and and uh, some others, and the the courts, um, the Fifth Circuit, and some of the courts that are now filled with Trump appointees upheld the right of these states to to shut down <clears throat> all uh, medical providers who provide abortion care. And uh, Which so, means go in ahead. Texas, Texas, and uh, and several other states, there is there is there's actually no legal abortions that are allowed. If you can believe that, and uh, so that's where we are. That's where we are. And so, this is being this will eventually go to the Supreme Court. Uh, it probably will, but I can't imagine the result is going to be any different. You know, and I would be uh, remiss not to say that. Uh, that Governor Pritzker specifically mentioned reproductive health care in his executive order uh, outlining what was essential service. So I think um, everyone in the state of Illinois owes Governor Pritzker a, a great thank you for uh, for thinking of the women of the state and making sure that uh, abortion care can continue. It is an essential service. It's essential for women's health, women's lives. And um, so... That. So that's where we are in Illinois. That we're and also um, telehealth um, has been expanded uh, in a lot of ways, and that might be the one um, good thing that comes out of this. That's really um, letting people know how important it is to be able to speak to their doctors and others, you know, on the phone and over Zoom and everything to get uh, basic medical care. Now, do you think uh, that this decision? Uh, uh, regarding um, abortion rights will be uh, enacted before the November election? Terry, do you think, like you said, Which that decision? 
Right. Well, the, the, the one that you were just alluding to, uh, you said the Fifth Circuit had upheld the right of, uh, of um, the, these governors to make these pronouncements. Uh, it's interesting. The governors have the right. I don't, to- I don't know. I mean, first of all, the court has to accept the case. So and they already listen, they already have a case in front of them um, that will more or less make this uh, moot because they have a case in front of them that is a, allow them to overturn Roe v. Wade and for state individual states to make abortion illegal. So um, that case they've already agreed to be they've already agreed to take and that decision will come down before June thirtieth. Um, I mean I'm not I'm not an attorney. I'm not a scholar of the Supreme Court by any measure. But, you know, they I could see those five justices just refusing to take the case from the Fifth Circuit. And and then it would stand. So um, I don't know that they uh, and if they took it now, it probably wouldn't be heard until the next session of the court, which would I don't again, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a I, I'm not a my specialty is not the Supreme Court, but my understanding would be. If they took a case now, um, they would probably hear it in 2021 and not in 2020, just like they put off hearing the gutting of, of the, of the uh, ACA off until after the election. I mean, the, that, this is a very political court. They're not going to, you know, I don't think they're going to wander into any territory that they see would be harmful. So I don't see it, but I could be wrong. Well, that, and what you just said, uh, you, you said a lot right there about the, the bizarre state of politics in this country. It would be exceedingly unpopular and probably against what a majority of, of voters in this country want if they were to uh, limit abortion to like a handful of states, if they were to right. effectively uh, disallow abortion in every state but Illinois and New York and California. Uh, uh, it would be very unpopular. So they're going to hold off on doing that until after November. And yet there are people who will vote for Trump. No, no, they have a case. No, Ben, I'm saying they have a case in front of them right now. Yeah. That the Louisiana case that they're agreeing, that they agreed to hear, which will likely, and you know, very few people don't think that they won't use it to, uh, to gut Roe v. Wade. So they do have that case. The case they put off was the ACA. I got you. And, yeah. and, and yeah. I th- and I think the re- the distinction is the reason why they took the abortion case is because this court is so fervently anti-choice, and they see it as real red meat to the Trump base, mm-hmm. to the right wing. Where taking the overturning the ACA, I think, would be political suicide for them. I think doing what they're doing to abortion is also very dangerous. But I think they they see the ACA case as really horrible yeah. um, and whereas the abortion one they they're, you know they think they can roll the dice on that and keep the Trump base in place uh, with that one well I which is yeah, they're ahead. gambling because 77 percent of Americans particularly suburban yes. uh, white women are pro-choice so um, so I think that they're making a bad gamble but we'll see we'll see November 3rd yeah, we, we will see. And uh, I think that that's, what, that's the point I was going to make, that if sort of the governing philosophy, if you will, of, uh, of uh, nominating Joe Biden to uh, be the Democratic nominee is that he was the candidate, this, the candidate who was most electable, the candidate most likely to win the votes of swing voters 
and uh, moderates uh, who might go Republican one day and Democrat the next. If the Supreme Court in the middle of this were to weigh in uh, on the abortion dispute by saying uh, we're getting rid of Roe v. Wade on the even of election, Terry, I think the point I was making was that politically that would really hurt Donald Trump to put it mildly with those so-called swing voters. And so that's, Oh, I agree. I agree. Except the problem is they, um, I believe what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to word the decision in such a way where, um, they're going to say that, Oh, we're not overturning Roe v. Wade. We're just going to leave it up to the, this is, I I can always, I can already see how this is going to be written. We're not, we're not explicitly overturning Roe v. Wade. We're just leaving it up to the states to decide because it's such a controversial issue, and we think that states should be able to set their own laws. Mm. And then, of course, it really is going to depend on how the media lets that play because returning it to the states is exactly what it was prior to Roe. Yeah. And also, the ch- and I, I have to put this out there, the challenge will be for Joe Biden as the nominee, as the Democratic candidate, Put that out there so that people understand it. That's where why you really do need uh, a candidate who's forceful and articulate and can really specify exactly what's at stake. That's the part that concerns me about Joe Biden. But it's I, you know, Ben, you and I have had this conversation. Except you know, as the, as the generals often say, you don't go to war with uh, with what you with what you would like to go to war with. You go to war with what you have. We have Joe Biden. So I really think that uh, that uh, that continuing to have the conversation about uh, what he is or isn't uh, at this point is not very productive. That's my feeling. Well, that conversation will, I, will be had whether you and I have it or not. So it's oh, real. I know, I know, yeah. but but it's but it's really not the point. The point is, and this is what the Republicans love. They're going to love if the you know if the Bernie Sanders you know uh, people. Uh, you know, stomp their feet and say, "There's no way we're voting for Biden," and that's why I say, if that's your if if that's your position, then you're helping Donald Trump get elected, and then you really have to you really have to look yourself in the mirror and figure out what kind of person you are no. that would help this criminal enterprise that's killing millions of people, helping this person get elected. And, and, I mean, I hate to be that. I am that blunt about it. If you can look yourself in the mirror and you can say, "Okay, I'm going to help Donald Trump get reelected," then then please. Get, get out of my way. Don't be in my space. All right. And so I will say this. You, you're you're making a declaration to, uh, to Bernie Sanders supporters, which I understand. I'm going to make a, a, a declaration to Joe Biden. Step up. Step it up. Be clear. Make it clear to the American voters exactly what you stand for on issues like choice. Yeah, he will. He, he will. Right. He will. Okay. I yeah, I mean, I know. <laughs> Come on, Joe. Know it's it's don't get wishy-washy on me, Joe. Listen, I want, Joe, uh, listen, ben, let, let me just put it this way. You and I are on the same page about this, but it's not our job to do that. But there are going to be people around him that are going to, that are going to be very smart and are going to, you know, are going to are going to make sure that the right messages get out there. I am confident there are people out there as committed to defeating Trump as we are. So. Let's so. let's. I, I I hope you're right in that one. Now I just want to say one one thing. How uh, and we're going to have surrogates for him too, and they're going to have a vice presidential candidate. So it's 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 you know again, this is 
it, you know, it's on the rest of us to do our part too. I mean, I think that, and, and to put all of our eggs in Joe Biden's basket is, uh, is, is, uh, is, is not really what we should be doing. We should be out there and telling the truth and, and, and marshalling the truth for his election because he's going to appoint people to the Supreme Court and to the federal bench and to a lot of these federal agencies that Trump has gutted and is going to put the country back in not perfect shape. I'm not saying that, but, um, you know, at least get us back on the track so we can start talking about universal health care and protecting reproductive rights instead of shoving the, the entire planet into the dustbin, which is what we're really talking about here. All right. Now, uh, before we close down, I want to point out uh, from a, a recent election how important the abortion issue, abortion rights issue is uh, in politics. Uh, we had a, an election, a Democratic uh, primary for Cook County State's attorney, uh, Kim mm-hmm. Fox was running. I can't, all of a sudden, I can't remember that. Oh, Bill Conway, that's his name. I momentarily forgot his name. Uh, Kid Conway, as we like to call him on the show, daddy's boy. And uh, anyway, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that one. As everybody knows, uh, I supported Kim Fox, made it clear. I thought it was trumped up. Uh, case. So did so did personal pack. We did. Uh, well, that's the point I was making. Uh, I must have received five or six uh, flyers or mailers, whatever you call them, from personal pack. Uh, supporting Kim Fox or slamming uh, Bill Conway so on, on this issue, on this particular issue. And that's why I'm saying that the choice issue is a very vibrant one for uh, Democrats uh, because I think it p- played a role in uh, Kim Fox defeating Conway. In the, well, in the we primary. did. Um, yeah, the independent committee did. Uh, you got one or two of those 400,000 pieces of mail we did. And um, and it was all about um, explaining to people that uh, Conway's uh, father, you know, the, the daddy Conway, mm-hmm. um, was giving millions and millions of dollars to right-wing anti-abortion organizations, and we weren't sure where he was on the issue. And uh, and and several people told me that they were surprised at the um, at the amount of votes that the other candidates. Uh, other than Conway, received, uh, and they said that they felt that that made a difference, and it was the personal pack mail that got people. And my approach was that was this, that we never mentioned Kim in any of our mailings because my feeling was just as a strategy that if people weren't voting for her, they weren't voting for her. And at, at, at that point, it's two weeks out from the election. If you weren't voting for Kim Fox, you were voting for someone else and we just wanted to make sure that that someone else was someone other than Conway so we pushed uh, we pushed people away from him to other people to make sure he didn't win and it worked and uh, so I'm happy about that but I want to make sure that we close with um, with the April 13th Monday April 13th personal pack is having its first uh, public teletown hall at, at 6 p.m. And, and anyone that wants to be in on it we have great we have uh, State Senator Heather Staines we have uh, Andy Friedman, who's a uh, consultant to many national pro-choice organizations, and Dr. Allison Cowett, who is uh, who is a provider of abortion care for Family Planning Associates. All three of them are going to be on this call. It is the 13th of April at 6 p.m., and you can go to the Personal PAC website, personalpack.org, and sign up there, and we'll give you the call-in number, and uh, it's going to be a very... Uh, good hour for people to learn uh, more about 
the issue of reproductive rights in Illinois and what they can do. So everyone, please, if you're listening, you, is this going to air before? Yeah, it's li- yeah, it's literally airing right now, and then we'll. Uh, oh, it is. It's yeah. live. Okay. And okay. and, uh, and uh, <laughs> I wasn't kidding when I told you you were live. Uh, and <laughs> and then it's going to be dropped uh, probably in a half an hour. Or so yeah. Mm. Uh, and I was going to get around to that, but you beat me to the punch. So let's close with you giving that uh, address again. Uh, so if people want to sign up, they can. Terry, just yeah, give that address. Personalpack, yeah, personalpack.org is our website. And on the homepage is the sign up for the Teletown Hall on uh, this Monday, the 13th at 6 p.m. Yeah, and it should be really good. It's the first time we're doing this. So uh, be patient. We're going to take questions. And again, the speakers, State Senator. Heather Spain, speaking of um, legalization or adult use of cannabis, Heather Spain was the sponsor in the, in the Senate, although we're not going to be talking about that on this bill. So it um, doesn't mean you can't use it to be on the call. But <laughs> you, you should. <Yeah. laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah. it's legal. Uh, ter- it's legal. That's it's true. Legal. I, I, you could have you said know, it. The we... generation I grew up, yeah. it, it wasn't. So I'm adjusting. It's like after the United Farm Workers boycott, uh-huh. it took me years to eat lettuce and grapes again because um, it just felt like a sin, you know, after the so, 10 years of boycotting it for the United Farm Workers in the Central Valley of California. So, uh, well, I know you o- always abide by the law. So, uh, you, I do. You, you probably were law abiding, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. You probably went through the 80s, the 90s, and the O's without uh, having even looked. If somebody lit a joint, you ran out the door. Uh, so, uh, it's legal. I, you know, I actually, I did then, you know, and I and I rarely drink either. I, I'm, I live a very uh, boring life, actually. So. One, one thing I, I did learn from you the other day, I was shocked. <laughs> what you're, you do spinning classes. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, I teach spin classes. Yeah, yeah I, te- I do them and I teach them. And, you know, really, yeah, my, my main addiction is caffeine. I have to admit, as people who have seen your show on Facebook see me drinking the Diet Pepsi, even though you frown at people bringing drinks into your show or yeah. anywhere else. And I'm like, really? You know? <laughs> Uh, the good old days. We'll, we'll be back in the studio before you know it. Good. And good, you bring whatever good. soda you want, buddy. Yeah, Terry Cosgrove. Thank you so much, T. Okay. You take care. Stay okay, healthy. Okay, thank you very much. You too. All um, right. And stay at it. Take care. All right, that's Terry Cosgrove, president of Personal Pack. And I'm... Uh, Who knew? Terry Cosgrove, a spinner. No, I I was... He he dropped that bombshell on me the other day. Well, T.C., spinning. Yeah, and uh, he says he's, he's tough on those... Uh, spin classes so anyway that's our show for today uh we're going to uh uh dennis is going to do his dentist thing and upload it it'll be dropped in about half and then we got more interviews right d let's see yeah who yeah we, we got a team of buchanan coming on we're yeah. going to talk to him and we're going to drop that at about nine o'clock tonight we're going to talk all things last night's primary election uh vote blue no matter who <laughs> That question and more with the team of Buchanan. Yeah, team of Buchanan, who is a Bernie Sanders supporter, by the way. So get his thoughts on Bernie dropping out of the race, what Joe Biden should do. Uh, Oh, my God. And we'll be talking to Trump, Trump, Trump. Ordinarily, it's Wednesday. We'd be having a Monroe Anderson, but Monroe is um, it's got something else going on. And team of Buchanan will be joining us. So we're looking forward to that. Wait, hold on. Yep, I see the sign language guy. He's going to town. Right. Jamie Pritzker has given his COVID-19 press conference. Go check that out, everybody. All right. Uh, great job, uh, Terry Cosgrove. And, of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy at Alton, Illinois, uh, the wizard behind the board. You know what they call him back home in Alton? They call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise, D. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.
Hey, and remember, you can download these shows. Oh, the brown line. You can download these shows at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts, all right? Subscribe. Go check these shows out. If you download this show, hey, check out the live stream sometime. It's pretty cool. It's live. You hear the brown line? And you can join the live stream chat. Hang out with Brianna, Jim, Doogie, Michael, Pat Rod, Kyle, Dragon Slayer 19, and, and all your other friends. Join the live stream chat room. Weigh in. We may read your comment on the air. We'll see you all tomorrow. the radio make sure the television the, excuse me make sure you have the record player on at night the, the, the phone make sure the kids hear words That's correct